Okay, guys, we're in Lesson 28. We're, going, we're looking at Acts chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 42 through 52 today, 10 verses. We're in Antioch. We're seeing Paul's custom, which is to go to the synagogue first and to preach the gospel, and then from there go to the Gentiles. So let's look. We're going to look at the response of the Gentiles in verses 42 and 43. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the jealousy of the Jews today. We're going to talk about what that means, especially. Because when you read that, you're like, what are they jealous about? Well, you're going to see here in a moment. Verse 42, so when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. So what we're going to see here is the response, response of the Gentiles and the Jews as well. Let's look here. First of all, there was a desire for more. As the Jews left, so it's a synagogue meeting, it's the local Jews there from from Antioch are meeting in the synagogue. As they left the synagogue, the Gentiles... That is the God-fearing Gentiles. Those are the folks who came to the synagogue. They weren't proselytes, but they're God-fearers. Invited Paul to speak again next week. So they're asking Paul to come back again. They want to hear more. They want to hear more of this message. They want to hear more of the gospel. So they're very interested. The word beg stresses that they really wanted to hear more. We're not just talking about, let's say, hey, hey, Rob, how you doing? Sorry to interrupt your writing, but we really want you to come next week. That's, it's not that. It's like this. Rob, please come next week. Rob, you've got to come next week. Rob, if you're not here, it won't be the same, Rob. That's begging, isn't it? Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's the emphasis there. It's not just an invitation. They're really wanting to hear more. They're stressing more. And I freaked Rob out for the rest of Sunday school now. So, All right. Now, <clears throat> after the meeting, many Jews and Gentiles followed Paul and Barnabas. So here's what happens. So it's not just come back to the meeting. There's a group of them that decide they're going to hang out with Paul and Barnabas until the next meeting. Because when's the next meeting of the synagogue? The next Sabbath. So a whole week is going to go by. So they're hanging out with, they're following Paul and Barnabas during the week to hear more, ask him more questions, to talk with them. They're following them. So many Jews and Gentiles followed Paul and Barnabas. Now Paul and Barnabas encouraged them to continue in the grace of the gospel. So basically they took that time to encourage them to continue in the grace of the gospel. Now, verses 44 to 49, we're going to see that not everybody's happy. Not everybody's excited. Not everybody thinks this is a great thing. Look with me. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Stop for a moment. Is this significant? 
I mean, think about it, okay? I mean, what if all of Kerwinsville showed up, one, some, a few people, you know, we had a special speaker, a few people were here, and everybody, the special speaker is kind of staying with us for the week. Then on the next Sunday, there's like the whole town shows up trying to get in here. That would be pretty significant, right? Okay, so we're looking at a significant event here. All right, so look at verse 44. Look at this. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It is necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout the region. But the Jews stirred up devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city and raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. But they shook the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let's talk about the jealousy here, first of all. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city turned out to hear them. Isn't that amazing? That is, to me, is amazing. Now, here's the problem. The size of the crowd that came to hear them provoked the Jews to jealousy. All right, now here's what you're going to find. When you read throughout the book of Acts, when Paul stops somewhere and he begins to testify first in the synagogue concerning the issue of the gospel, there's a response, and usually there's a response of the Gentiles, and the Jews who were there become jealous They become jealous. Why do you think that is? Why would they be jealous? Not just of the size of the crowd, but why are they jealous in general? I want you to think about this, because normally you could just read this and let it pass on by, but there's an issue why they're jealous. It has nothing to do necessarily with Jesus, but it has to do with what they're seeing is happening with the gospel. Anybody have a clue? I see a lot of confused faces, like, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure, George, I'm not sure. Maybe because there were Gentiles involved in the crowd as well. Well, it would be mostly Gentiles. And then also because they probably never had that kind of turnout for their services. Okay. I'm assuming they're talking about the Jewish leaders here. Uh, yes, Jewish leaders or just devout Jews. Okay, all right. So, yeah, that's part of it, Bruce. So Bruce is saying... Size of the crowd, they've never had that before. Response, when they were in, in Antioch, that would cause jealousy. Yep, that's one reason. Okay. Okay, all right. Yep, okay. Anybody else? Why do you think the jealousy? 
Because it's ultimately the message of the gospel that's going to create the jealousy. And the fact that the Gentiles are responding to the message. Anybody got a thought? What's that, Randy? Okay, you're, you're close. They are jealous of the Gentiles. They're jealous of the Gentiles doing what? Responding. Because what you just said, they thought that salvation was only for who? Okay, stop for a moment. Do you guys recognize that? As far a Jew from his very beginning, the essence of who he was, he was to be the chosen of God. They were the chosen people. They were God's, the apple of God's eye. God's special people. And the reality is that they would, all of a sudden you've got Paul coming in, showing them from the scriptures that the Gentiles are concluded in, and you're seeing Gentiles responding to this message, you're seeing, you're, what you're seeing is not just the jealousy of what Bruce is saying, I think what Bruce is saying is true as well, but you're also seeing a jealousy that they are the ones who hold the truth, they're the ones who are saved, they're the ones who are going to be with Christ, and there's a reality here that they are jealous because of the gospel message itself and the Gentiles responding. Because notice now what they're doing. Look at what the passage says. It says that they were envious, but what does it also say there? There's a couple of other words there. They were contradicting and what? Blaspheming. So they're trying to contradict what Paul's saying. What are, what are they trying to contradict? The gospel message. The message of grace to all through Jesus Christ. And blaspheming. Blaspheming means that they're calling into... They're blaspheming who? Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's not just contradicting the gospel, what's being offered, but they're also blaspheming probably God and Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is why it's going on here. So at first, if it seems like the message is for you, they're they're okay with it. But as soon as they begin to realize Whole, whole town shows up, people are responding. People that they consider are going to hell are responding that they reject. There's a jealousy there, okay? There's a jealousy there. Now, this caused the Jews to blaspheme and oppose Paul and his teaching. This caused the Jews to blaspheme and oppose Paul and his teaching. Let me just stop for a moment. You're going to see this pattern throughout the New Testament. Paul goes in, shares the gospel, there's response, but there is always opposition. Always opposition. You know, we have this concept today that somehow we have to make ourselves palatable to everybody so that everybody accepts us, everybody loves us. The problem is, is I'm going to tell you, not everybody's going to love what you believe. Not everybody's going to respond to it in a positive way. There will be some who respond, but there are going to be others that are very much opposed to it for whatever reason. And it doesn't even have to be logical in their reasoning. Do you understand? The reality is is that there's opposition. So the Jews here, they blaspheme and oppose Paul and his teaching. Now, Paul proclaimed that it was necessary to preach to the Jews first. 
It was necessary to bring them the message of the gospel first. But since they rejected the message, they will now focus on sharing with the Gentiles. Since they rejected the message, they're going to focus now on sharing with the Gentiles. And you see that in city after city that Paul goes to, where they first share with the Jews in the synagogue. Some places you're going to see that they don't have a synagogue, but there's a gathering for prayer. He usually, wherever there's a gathering of Jews, he shares with them first, and then from there goes to the Gentiles goes to the Gentiles. Now, Paul referred to Isaiah, which states that they would be a light to the Gentiles. Paul refers to Isaiah, which states that they would be a light to the Gentiles. So he refers back to the prophet Isaiah, saying that they would be a light to the Gentiles, that they should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Okay? They should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Do you think that's still true today? This prophecy, do you think that's still true today? Yeah. Who's the light now? It's not Paul. He's been dead for almost 2,000 years. Who is it? Who's the light now? Huh? We are. You're right, Gene. We're the lights. Do you understand? We're the lights to the Gentiles. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not Paul. It's not anybody else. It's you. Who's the light at the place you work at? Who's the light? Who's the light in the neighborhood you live in? The guy down the street. No. Who's the light? You. Who's the light in your family, your clan? Who's the light? Yeah, are we getting it? I, I don't hear very many me's yet, okay? Are, are you the light or not the light? Do you understand? You can't shirk that responsibility. You're the light. You're the light in your family units, your extended family. You're the light with your friends. You're the light in your neighborhood, where, in the, wherever you live, wherever you work. You're the light. You're the light that goes to Walmart. How were you acting during, during good, uh, Black Friday? Did you know what I'm saying? How were you acting? Hopefully you weren't picture-worthy to end up on the news. Okay, you stayed home. That's good. All right. Do you understand? You're the light. You're the light. Now let's go on. Now, the response of the Gentiles, we see that in verses 48 and 49. The Gentiles were glad and glorified God's word as many were saved. As many were saved. And I think it's significant here. Look at that phrase. As many had, had been appointed to eternal life, believe. Here's what I want you to see. They responded, but there's also that other dimension there that's always there with Scripture of, of choice, but also God's sovereignty. Do you understand? Where God, where there's both. They responded. They're the ones who who received the word, they're the ones who, re, who responded to the word and accepted it, but it also points out that God is the one who's at work as well. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is the one who's at work as well. So then, notice verse 49. The message of the gospel spread throughout the region. 
The message of the gospel spread throughout the region. Why? Why do you think the message of the gospel spread throughout the region? People shared, okay, they had to because people shared, but why else do you think? Why, what, I mean, what's, all of a sudden, here's this message of grace through Jesus Christ, and people are responding to that. Why do you think that is throughout the region? Okay, they were excited, and we're, we're excited to tell people about it, but I'm talking about why do you think people were receptive to it? Okay, they were looking for something. That's good. That's good, Cindy. They were looking for something. Here's what I want you to see. The Gentiles were living in a very pluralistic, polytheistic world with no hope and emptiness. So here comes a message of acceptance, of hope, of forgiveness. Did you understand what I'm saying? Now, here's the interesting thing. Everybody is so whacked out about how our culture is changing. We're getting away from this. We're no longer a Christian nation. Blah, blah, blah. Listen to me. This is the same place where the gospel took root. Just because the culture is not Christian, maybe they would be more open now. Instead of thinking they're Christians, maybe they would be open now to being responsive and seeing their need because... In a culture, do you think there, there are lots of choices in our culture? Or is it just a few choices out there? Yeah, I mean, just go to Walmart. You want a candy bar? You know, Sawyer and I were yesterday, we went, we, Lori said, go get your snacks for, for hunting. So we went, to, we went to Walmart, and Sawyer said, where's the candy? I said, it's down this aisle. So we walked down the aisle, and he doesn't normally go shopping. And I said, okay, choose from here to here. I mean, you, I mean, everything's there. You know, we're not just talking like a little can. We're talking a whole aisle of chocolate and everything else. And little small portions to big portions. You, you know what I'm saying? We have lots of choices. Now, can I ask you a question? All those choices, do they make us happy? Do they satisfy our souls? No. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they don't. They don't satisfy. But for the moment, <laughs> tastes good. Yeah. Okay. For the second. But my point is, see, this is what I'm saying. If there was ever a time when people might be receptive, not to church, but to the gospel, there's a difference. Church is not the gospel. In their minds, most people, when they think church, they're thinking some sort of religious, hoity-toity, snobby, whatever. But the gospel is not that. The gospel is the message of what? Acceptance with God through Jesus Christ. Is there? A t- Do you think that's applicable today? That doesn't mean they're going to accept it, because I saw Bruce Grimace here. No, nope, they don't. Okay, so that's a difficulty, and that's correct. So does that mean we maybe need to change the way that we approach our presentations? Yeah, it takes a lot longer. Yes, it takes a lot longer. 
why do you think it takes a lot longer? Well, it's not just trust, but, but it's, think about what Bruce just said. Most people today don't think that anything they're doing is what? Sin. Do they have a concept of sin today? No, not really. So where do you start? Helping them to understand what right and wrong is? And for different people, that's going to be a different conversation. Till you get to the place where they recognize that they need forgiveness. They need to, and then who is the means of forgiveness? Who is the means of salvation? Most people have moved away from a Christian culture to a post-Christian culture where anything matters. Well, that's why the biggest group of people don't believe anything now. The nuns are the biggest group of people, especially among 18 to 30-year-olds. So here's the thing. You've got to learn how to present the gospel there. So you maybe have to move away from getting them to pray a prayer to maybe getting them to think, to think about their life and where they're at and what do they do with the stuff they do wrong. Even if they don't acknowledge that as a sin, people do know that they do wrong, right? But they may not acknowledge it as a sin. See, this, this is why it's, it's going to take a little bit longer. And I'll be honest with you, this is why I think the key to evangelism is relationships. Relationships, conversations. Which, can I be honest with you, for us here in this part of PA, is going to be difficult for you. Why do you say that, George? Well... Here's what I found, because I'm not from this area, but I'm an observer of this area. You folks are pretty clan-oriented, number one, so you do stuff with your families all the time. Maybe with the church, but with, every, you know, with your families. Number two, you're very private about talking to people about your religious thoughts and thoughts of spirituality. Do you understand? You just don't go talk to a stranger about that. So here's what we're saying. Here we see the message is spreading. This is what's so amazing. The message of hope is spreading through an area that's very pluralistic, and there's a response. Now, verse 50 and 52, they're going to give us and show us what happens because of this. There's an aftermath. We've already read these verses. The Jews stirred up the prominent people and the city officials to expel them from the region. Stirred up the prominent people and the city officials to expel them from the region. Now, I think it's very interesting. They stirred up devout and prominent women. Now, what does that mean? These are women who probably were very prominent, who attended the service, who attended the synagogue, and... They, got, they obviously didn't respond to Paul's message, but they were easily manipulated by the Jews of the synagogue, and they stirred up the city officials. Now, how do you think the prominent women would stir up the city, city officials? How does that happen? What? Yeah, how, how do you think they would stir up the city officials? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, the men know. Do you know what I'm saying? The men, women don't want to admit anything here, but the fact of the matter is, if the ladies in the church aren't happy, 
then nobody's happy. Do you know what I'm saying? Do do, do you understand what I'm saying? That's true. You're shaking your head, Gene. But it's true because... Do you think... who Who do you think gets my attention most of the time? Yeah. So if Lori ain't happy, who do you think I'm paying attention to? Lori. So the prominent women, why do you think they're prominent? Well, they have money, yes. Who are what? Prominent. So if they're not happy, guess who they're complaining to? Do you know what I'm saying? And maybe at first the husbands are like, oh, yeah, but don't worry about it. And they keep complaining. We're not just talking about an afternoon discussion. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're not talking about an afternoon discussion here. We're talking about they knew how to manipulate the right people to get people, and they got all upset with Paul and expelled them from the region, got rid of them. Now, here's what they did. Paul and Barnabas responded to being expelled by shaking the dust off their feet and going to Iconium. Now, we don't do that today. We don't do that today. That's not something that we're very prominent to. But what's this whole concept of shaking the dust off your feet? Well, it was a sign of a follower of Jesus Christ had no further responsibility for an area where the dust was picked up. It was a sign that the area was left to God's judgment. That comes from Matthew chapter 10, Luke chapter 9, and chapter 10 as well, where Jesus told them, if you're not accepted, you're to what? Shake the dust off your feet. And that's what they literally did there. It was basically not something magical, but basically was a sign. Okay, you guys are left to yourselves. You're left to yourselves. And then they went to Iconium. Iconium. And here's what I want you to notice. Even after they left, the disciples who remained in Antioch were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now notice, he makes a delineation here. He's talking about that they were filled with joy and they were also filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with joy and also filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Next week, we're going to look at where they're in Lyconia, the cities of Lyconia, where Iconium is. 